Welcome to the Sober Heathen Podcast. I am the Sober Heathen. It is Sunday. Um, there has been little sleep, but that's okay. I'm feeling pretty damn good. i got a great guest today. Um, can't wait to dive into that. Um, got some new things rolling around in the mind. I want to talk about that um, uh, on X and Facebook. There'll be some posts so you can get some interest in, in adding some paranormal to the uh, to the podcast. But anyway, that's for another day. Today, this morning, we have Amir. Welcome, Amir, to the Sober Heathen Podcast, my friend. Thank you so much. I love that intro. Got to give it to you. That was awesome. The, the jam. I found the jam online. It's kind of one of those uh, uh, where you, you don't have to pay for it. Open source, whatever. Yeah. I, yeah. yeah. And <clears throat> I love it. I wish I could find how to take control of that sucker. But whatever. We're jamming and we're ready to go. So welcome to the podcast, man. Tell us a little bit about yourself, where you're from, and uh, a little bit about your, your uh, journey through recovery. Sure, man. Thank you. Um, again, thanks for having me here. I am Amir. I'm based out of Queens, New York. And I, uh, hey, Lindy, oh, I see this. We've got like a live chat going on. All right. This is great. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, yeah. So Queens, New York. But before this, I lived in Texas for a couple of years. And before that, I lived on Long Island in New York for 10 or you know, 15 years. So, but originally I was born in the, in the, in the old Soviet Union. So okay. moved here when I was 10 years old and, but you know, more than the majority of my life has been spent in the U S so that's, that's where I'm at. Um, as far as my sobriety, I've, I, I got sober in December 4th, 2021. So just over two years awesome. and it's been quite a journey. It's like, I feel like I've been reborn. I'm sure I echo a lot of people when I say that. It's been the best decision of my life. Again, something everyone says. So I'm I'm one of those people who just discovered sober life and I just love it and I want to talk about it and I want to share stories about it and meet people. So it's been it's been fantastic. So yeah, that's me. Yeah, it's like it's like it's uh it's like it's a good thing to do to get sober. You know what I mean? It's like it's like drugs and alcohol are bad for you or something. But who knew? Yeah, who knew? I mean, it, and it's, but I mean, people need to hear that more and more, you know, on how great uh, sobriety is <clears throat> because it's so scary when you, when you want to think about it, you know, you're trying to get into it, you know, you know, all these, well, at least I did, <clears throat> excuse me. I knew all these bad things were happening and I knew that what the cause was, but I didn't want to give it up because it gave me something, or at least it, I perceived that it gave me something, you know? Yeah. And it was really hard to give up. So you, um, you do the sober thinker. It's a you have a website, a blog. Uh, talk yeah. a little bit about that. What what? What's the yeah, I, yeah. So maybe I could take a couple of steps back because we talk we talk about sure. the editing your video. Um, it's interesting because it's a, that's a topic I could talk about for many years for a long time because I, for many years I was into music and editing videos and making movies and all that stuff and. Um, that was actually a big part of my life because outside of my real job, which was I work in sales in uh, the technology kind of stuff. Um, outside of that, my hobby was doing music you know, and recording sessions and, you know, sound engineering and all kinds of things like that. Um, but the problem for me was that I was also doing a lot of drinking when I was doing that. So I'm just sitting there and just pounding away bottles while I'm editing and, uh, it was an isolating experience and it was very bad for my health, obviously. So I gave it up when I gave up drinking. I gave up that hobby. 
And then I was like realizing how bored I was because I didn't have any other hobby. And I had all this time from sobriety. So I would be reading a lot. I would just try to get, you know, active at the gym, spending time with the kids, finding ways to fill my time. And then somebody just reminded me that maybe it's time for a good hobby again. So I was a little bit worried about what I was going to do. And I, I just thought, you know what, maybe I'll get into writing. And I, and I started, and I started to put together an outline for a book. You know, when the whole AI hype came out, everyone started yeah. freaking out, thinking, oh, all right, now I'm going to write books and this and that. I'm like, okay, let me see this thing. So I, I looked into AI and I thought maybe I'd start a book. After about three days of writing, I said to myself, who's going to read this book if nobody even knows me? So why don't I just start sending out uh, maybe short newsletters about the book? You know, so that's how it started. And then put out a couple of letters. People started to like it, started to grow, grow my subscription base, started to meet people. Got on X, discovered this huge community, oh, yeah. the recovery posse, all these people, all these like sober celebrities. Everyone's got <laughs> yeah. like the sober heathen, you got the sober dad, you got the sober thinker, you know, <laughs> you got like, all these people. They're like, they're like superheroes. And um, I'm really just enjoying the, the way, you know, so that's. It's crazy how we can, you know, and I can only assume that you loved the editing and the music and the things that you were doing before. You know, that's why it was your hobby. It's amazing how we can let this, you know, even from the little things from hobbies, you know, obviously it infiltrates and affects our families too. You know, I, I coached baseball and basketball for 13 years after I graduated and, you know, I didn't pursue uh, sports outside of that. And, you know, I would cancel practices because I was hungover. I would do those type of things, you know, and you talked about the bottles, man. And it's like, <clears throat> I was a safety guy inside a Dow chemical. And I think a lot of people know Dow, the name Dow. Well, they're, they're big plant in Midland, Michigan. I worked there. I, I got to the point in my drinking where it was a game to drink on the job and hide it in trash cans all throughout the plant. And so it's just, it's kind of amazing. You know what I mean? That's hilarious. <laughs> I look oh, back yeah. at it. I have to laugh at it now. Absolutely. Yeah. You don't work with them anymore, do you? Hell no. No. I, <laughs> if I, man, I never want to do safety again. That That is, yeah. that's a rough job. But you know, it's oh, funny. Yeah. I had to, I had to lead the charge to find out who's leaving these bottles all over the place. I was one of the guys that had to investigate that. But anyway, back to me, <laughs> man. Uh, so what, uh, so what, what led you to to say, you know what, enough is enough. What was the, what was that point? We were kind of talking about that um, in a chat I was in earlier this morning, uh, that bottom, you know, what, what kind of made you make that decision to say, okay, I'm changing. Yeah. So I think like many people, I've tried to quit many times mm -hmm. and it's not like that was the first time, but I, I think it was a combination of things, just everything in life coming to that one point, you find yourself at this bottomless pit. I call it the abyss it's from that book. A journey of a of a thousand a hero with a thousand faces. Great book. Mm -hmm. um, it was just like my age. My kids were at a certain age, um, and I was just realizing that the life that I envisioned for myself did not match the reality that I that I was living. Yeah. Like I thought I was going to be this great dad and this great husband with this you know, with this nice house and like this career and I've achieved all these things and I had so much money saved and this and that. 
And then I realized, like, instead, I'm spending all this time in bars and strip clubs, wasting money and, like, just burning myself out every night, barely waking up in the morning and then rushing to work again. Just realized I was just in the, in, going in the wrong direction. I wasn't spending enough time with the kids or at home or fixing the things that needed to be fixed at home. And um, I think one, one morning I woke up with, like, a huge receipt from the night before, and I'm like thinking about my kids college I'm like what the hell am I doing and and I just I was smoking a lot too so I felt pain uh and and like the hangover it was just all of this stuff at the same time and I woke up and I just you know what I'm done um but what made it happen actually is it was December and it was and dry January was right around the corner and that's something I was doing for like four years already so I think oh, okay. I'm grateful that I've gotten into this habit of, you know, abstaining from alcohol for a month or two at the beginning of the year. And this time it was December 4th. I was like, you know what? I'm going to start early. And I don't think I'm ever going to drink again. So that was the moment. That was like the moment where I realized that I was going to take it seriously. But then the hard work began. Sure. So it just uh, you made the choice to do it. And I think that's so important for so many people to hear that, you know, you'd, you'd, you'd done this investigation into what was going on. You know, you had this perception of what you wanted to be, you know, or dream of who and what you wanted to be. And that changed the, you, you took the ship in a different direction when you made those, that, those observations. I think it's so important that that can happen. And because <clears throat> you, I hear so many different, people saying, nope, that's not possible. Well, this is a great case of that being possible. You're just reflecting, observing, and, and putting in a plan. So two years into it now, that perception of who you wanted to be, the great dad and whatever, you know, where are you at on that? Are you, do you think you're there? Or how, how did that, that goal, you know, it's, you're always moving toward it, but I mean, do you feel like you're, you're getting there or there? Yeah. The other day I just kind of slowed down and I looked back. And I said, wow, I'm actually happy right now. I'm finally, <laughs> I'm finally doing what I yeah. aim to do. I'm not perfect, right? It's still, like you said, it's a work in progress. But I look back and I've recovered the losses. And I've built so much more on top of it through sobriety. You know, so, yeah. Yeah, yeah and, 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 and it's important, again, to... Uh, everybody needs to understand that this this progress happens at, at, at quicker and shorter for certain people you know um the financial thing for me isn't there yet you know where i'm at in my recovery but the internal riches i guess if i want to call it or internal wealth is is in, you know far more than what i had uh, you know uh, these 15 16 months ago however long it's been now for me um yeah and it, i think you just said the key point the internal riches. Yeah. Uh, I may not be where I expected to be financially when I was a teenager, you know, watching music videos, private jets and Lamborghinis. But I, I do much more value the other riches, such as I have my kids, you know, yeah. I, have my, I have my wife, I have a roof over my head, I wake up to a warm house. Have, you know, I have a job. I get, I have internet. I get to meet people like you. 
I get to live and be in control of my emotions and my actions. This is more than I've ever had for the yeah. most of my life. Yeah. <clears throat> it's, it's incredible. I mean, we're talking from Michigan to New York right now about recovery and, you know, from Australia to England, Canada, I've had all kinds of people that I'd never would have talked to in my entire life. So, you know, I, I don't ever want to put my family and myself through that hurt and pain again, but holy crap, am I grateful for crawling out of that hole? And that's Seriously. a lesson that you can't put a price tag on for sure. Absolutely. Especially when you meet so many people who are still trying to find that way, yeah. who are, who are struggling and just can't seem to get that energy enough to get themselves out of that hole. And, and I have a lot of friends like that who who ask me how I'm doing this. And, and a lot of them subscribe to my newsletter. Yeah. But I know they drink. And they call me sometimes and they tell me, look, I, I tried. I'm drinking. This is hard. How do you do it? And I don't always have an answer for them. Yeah. And I also know that no matter what I tell them, it's not going to matter until they're ready to take action. Yeah. Yeah. And so, I think... I think saying, I don't know, earns trust because when you go to somebody that always has an answer for everything, you know, that, that to me, like, it's powerful to say, I don't know. And one thing I don't think that, especially the recent guests like yourself, um, when you guys come on and you, and you share your stories and I work in an outpatient facility where I do a lot of intakes and I'm a recovery coach there. When I hear something in your guys' story, I can direct them to say, hey, go check out this website that this person does. Hey, I just had a guy on my podcast, or I just had this woman on my podcast that said this or that. And then they can go and they can hear it from somebody else. Because I know for me, when I, and I don't know if you have any experience in going into any kind of treatment, but when I went in there, I just felt like it was the same lines and song and dance that everybody was saying. And, you know, well, I'm just going in here and these people are going to tell me the same thing that the last people told me. And it's completely pointless. But when they can hear real people living, living it like yourself, I think that really can change things. 100%. You see, the, I, I never even thought about um, some of the things that I write about today. And, and the reason for that is because I've, I've been always this cocky person and not cocky in a negative sense, but I was just young and ambitious and wanted to be successful and wanted to have fun. So I always kind of went out and I took chances and I tried things, I exposed myself to new things. And I kind of felt unstoppable and it helped me with my career. It helped me with friends and meeting my wife. And that was all great. But then when your thirties hit and then you have some kids and then you get some bills and then all of a sudden you're not the most important person in the world. Yeah. And then all of a sudden you have to make decisions that don't just affect you, but affect all these other people. And then you're like, wait a minute, I'm not ready for that yet. I'm still worried about me. So I think that moment came to me in my thirties and I started to feel sad and I started to feel depressed and I started not knowing how to deal with that. So from my thirties and I'm 40 now, so that decade, it's amazing. Like just that my twenties were amazing. My thirties were, they were, they changed me. They, you know, my thirties took me off this high to new highs in many ways. 
Sure. But but to like some of the lowest lows. And through that time, it, it affected every part of my life, financially, health, emotionally. But I stuck through with my family. My wife stayed with me. My kids grew. You know, thank God. That's the most important thing. And during this time, as I went through all these things, all the, all the things that they don't even know that I have to deal with, that I've now been able to come out of the 30s sober and look back and all the lessons I learned along that way is is what I journal about in my personal journey journal. Mm-hmm. And I found some things that I was like, man, I wish I knew these things when I was younger. Oh, boy. Yeah. Like whether it's something your parents should teach you, but they didn't. Maybe you didn't have parents. Maybe you you didn't have parents. Like I had immigrant parents. They didn't, they didn't know how the system works. They themselves have a plethora of mental health issues. So all these things that I wish I knew, I've discovered through reading, through listening to podcasts, through reading books and like talking to people. And that's kind of what fuels my sobriety today. Fuels, it keeps me focused. And it's part of my meditation, uh, which is all those lessons and all those affirmations that came along the way. Yeah, you talk about a journal. I have like three of them going right now for different reasons. And uh, well, I don't want to make it sound like I'm writing all three every single day, but I, you know, I have one for the podcast for, you know, just to look back and reflect and try to, you know, um, you know, just just keep fresh on, on what I used to do and see how my, my thoughts about podcasts have changed. And then I have a personal one um, that one day I hope go to my kids so they can have a little bit of that knowledge of, you know, that you were talking about. They can see what dad went through. God forbid um, they, they have to go through anything like this. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I, I want, go ahead. No, no, I just, I love that. I love hearing that. Yeah, and um, the other one is I, I got one of these shadow journals that I'm working through the worksheets on that, but I, I don't know how I feel about that. But anyway, you said something about selfish, and I like talking about that, you know, cocky and selfish. So in addiction, we are we are that. We are selfish. But in recovery, we also have to be selfish in a, in a, in a different way. So what, what are your thoughts on the difference between the two? Oh, man, I think <laughs> that's a great question. I think the first part, selfish in a way where you harm yourself and you don't care that other people love you. And that's the selfishness that uh, people call you. But when you, on the other side, when you're selfish and you take care of yourself because you love yourself, I think those are the two differences. And uh, it took me a long time to go from one to the other. Um, that's my that's my look that's the way i look at it dude i'm writing that down <clears throat> you didn't care that people loved you you don't care that people love you that's big i mean i i like that because i didn't i knew they did and i love them and i didn't want them to hurt but i you know that i had to i had to you know aa uses the term ease and comfort and i think that's a home run you know they, they don't get everything right but i think on that one it's a home run. Like all those things in my head and my heart that were bothering me, you know, I, I would take that bottle and that ease and comfort that came from swallowing that bottle. And, and before it could even affect me, I felt that ease and comfort. 
Um, but yeah, I, uh, yeah, yeah. The the recovery selfish is completely different. Yeah, I I, I really think that because funny that my letter that's coming out tomorrow is on this point on this topic, mm. which is loving yourself because um, that's one of those things that when you ask people, you either get someone who's Oh yeah, I do love myself. I take care of myself. Or you get somebody that says, "No, nah, I can't. I can't love myself. Yeah. It's hard. Can't look at myself in the mirror and say I love me or I love you. Can't do it because it's so uncomfortable. It is just. But but if you think about it, you're the only one in the room. You're yeah. talking to yourself, and you can't say I love you to yourself. Why? Yep. What do you blame yourself for? Why are you guilty? And why why is it so difficult for you to say that? And I think once you figure that out, and you can lay it all out, and then after you look at it and just say, you know what, I forgive you and I love you. That's really the first step to starting to being okay with taking care of yourself. Instead of drowning your sorrows with a bottle of Jack, you could say, that's not healthy for me. I wouldn't do that if I if if I was taking care of someone I'm responsible for. And and uh, that's a big part of what I had to go through, and I, and I think that's a big part of mo what most of us have to go through. I think a great test to see how you feel about yourself is to do exactly that. I did that in treatment, trying to say three nice things to myself three times a day, um, morning, noon, and night. To somebody that you really truly care about is hurting. Go say those three things that you would tell them to yourself, looking yourself dead in the eye in the mirror, will tell you a lot about how you feel about yourself. Because I know when, when I was really beginning to forgive myself and I would do those affirmations in the mirror, man, I would cry like a baby. Yep. Because it's like, I was starting to realize by listening to other people's stories that, you know, I, I'm not bad. I just did bad. And, you know, I'm, 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 I'm a pretty decent person. And that's, that's when the changes started to happen because you change within everything on the outside is going to, is going to come in. I truly believe that. hundred percent. And it's also the way you talk to yourself and the way you treat oh. yourself. Mm -hmm. So I, one of the things that I started doing with my wife's help, because she watches a lot of these you know, spiritual and, and, uh, she's into numerology. So she's into all these things. Um, cool. she would probably love to be on your, on your paranormal podcast. We'll have but, to do that. <laughs> <laughs> so the thing that we started doing was stop using negative words or destructive words or harmful words or mean words towards each other, whether it's in, in our inner speak or just actually using words to describe our life. So she would catch me if I, if I would, if, if I'm, we're trying to go on a vacation and I'd say, oh, we can't go there because we're broke. She would say, we're not broke. We need to save more. I'm like, yeah, you're right. We need to save more before we go to that vacation. Yeah. Then we go in and I drop something. Oh, I'm so stupid. She's like, you're not stupid, stupid. You're, <laughs> you just made a mistake. You know, like, I like correct. It. even just a everyday words it will change things man i believe it 100 it's so hard to do it'll change things i just did a for one of my groups at work 
I wrote on the wall, I wrote in green, I wrote, or in red, I wrote, I have to do blank. And then in green, I wrote, I get to do blank. Yep. Right. Like, and for the people that I'm, I'm talking to, they're, they're like me, they've been in a cage on more than one occasion, you know, like, ah, I have to go to this group tonight and then I have to go to work in the morning. No, you get to go to group and have a chance to talk about something that you need to. And then you get to go to work and make some money because you're not in a cage, right? Like you're not in jail. So you got to be, you know, flip those positive things, man. And it can start really changing your mindset. It really can. On the days that I can really focus on that, they're really good days for sure. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I think it starts with gratitude and we were on that call yesterday with Lindsay and crew. Um, you know, everybody seems to agree that living with gratitude is the foundation of having a happy life. Because <clears throat> I feel like if you start with gratitude and you just realize that the fact, the mere fact that you are able to even have this conversation or thought that you're able to be here and practice mindfulness and great gratefulness, that you should be grateful for it and, and just kind of start from there. Now I can go and have breakfast. Now I can go and have some coffee. Now I can go and have some fresh air. You know, now I can go and kiss my kids. Whatever, whatever it may be. Um, but going back to selfishness, some of the people who are in the in the darkest of places in my life, they always say, "I can't quit. I'm too." stressed i'm too far down i'm too sick i can't afford to get a therapist i can't talk to therapists they don't they don't you know i'm smarter than a therapist they can't teach me anything that i don't already know <laughs> i can't go to aa because i don't believe in you know i don't i i i i i i i it's like okay then why did you ask me yeah. for help you know i mean i know you, you're trying to get up but you're not opening up your mind and i was like that too yeah, sure and uh it was like the surrender that i had to do that morning when i woke up and i said i can't do this anymore i surrendered my ego and i said i am no longer in control of my emotions and my actions the way i've been going hasn't been working for me I need to try something different. So what I started doing, and I'm not a religious person. So like I grew up in a religious household. Well, mm -hmm. half my mom's religious, my dad wasn't. Um, so I grew up around religion, but I was never like, it wasn't operationalized into my life. Sure. But I did start to pray every morning after that. And I, the way I pray is I ask for strength to get through the day, to get through and avoid toxic thoughts and toxic behaviors. And those are like guilt, to avoid feeling guilty, to avoid recalling a trauma or any other trigger that I might have in my head for something I've done because I need to forgive myself and I need to overcome it and I need to grow from it. So every morning I'd wake up and recite this prayer and then get out of bed and then have a day that that let me release myself to be able to find a new path 
one that I wasn't familiar with, that I was looking for, to just open myself up to something new. Um, and that's how it started. Yeah, I think I think prayer, um, you know, the whole heathen thing, you know, that uh, that says a lot about me. But I prayed before too, but now I look at it more as like prepping. So yeah. if I want to be a, a track athlete, you know, I don't go eat crap, you know, the night before a meet. You know, I start out by jogging. I think prayer can be for those that are like me, you know, on the secular side or whatever. It can just be prepping your mind for the next day. You know, tomorrow I just put it out into the universe. I would, I'm just asking for the strength in it to to get through this tomorrow. Give me the give me the courage to go to this job interview and and give it my all. And you know, the first time, you know, I got down on my knees at treatment when things really started to click, click and I got down on my knees and I just spoke to the universe. I wasn't speaking to anyone or anything. I just said, I can't do this. You know, I want to die, but I don't want to die. <laughs> I want, I want to live, but I have no effing idea how I'm going to do this. And then I continued, I laid down at night and I said, you know, this is what I want. This is what I need. You know, I just need a little extra. I just need a little push, a little guidance, something. I just need to see something. And I think that activated my brain to start looking around and seeing the things that were already there. And then I was able to follow those things a little bit because, you know, I kind of set my mind up. I prepped for it. Right. So that's how, that's kind of how I look at it. I think. Yeah. I mean, <clears throat> I, my, if you log into the sober thinker at beehive.com, the description says the semi-secular guide to yeah. sobriety, because I, I'm, I may not be, Full, fully on the religious side, I do think there are some elements of spirituality. And to me, spirituality may not be any specific religion. It could just be the, our souls, our, our spirits, our For energy. Sure. Um, and then going back to words, how words matter, and the words we use, the words we say and put out into the universe shape our existence. So that morning prayer, or like you call it prepping, I love that actually, is a way to Put those words out into the universe and to give yourself direction for that day to say, I'm going to be on this path. And that's my that's my intention for today. I want to be sober. I want to make sure my kids are safe. I want to I want to make sure that I become one percent better today than I was yesterday. One percent is is a win. I mean, head north is head north. You know what I mean? I really hope people can can hear that and understand that because it's really hard to see because evidence would suggest that people in addiction are impatient <laughs> and they want things now, you know what I mean? And that's, you know, I know for me, that's why I, I, I went from drinking a few beers to drinking a half pint to drinking a pint to buying fifths and half gallons. You know, I needed that, whatever that could give me right now. So yeah, 1%, even 1% is a win, for sure. And it's been two years. So two years times 1%, I don't know, that's, that's at least 5%. <laughs> right? I don't know. I really don't know the math. But my son was saying, he's like, Dad, so that means you're 2,000% better now? I'm like, no, that's not even how it works. Right. Well, you know, you might feel that way some days, and that's all that matters, right? That's right. That's right. Um, I, I like something... Uh, I want to kind of just go to the next thing, thought that came to me after you said that. Sure. Because um, we talked about, you know, words and how 
they lead to better actions and prayer and and now getting one percent better um so that actually lost my thought that's hilarious <laughs> i was just so excited about this conversation um it'll come to me back but yeah yeah well um i don't know how to try to come bring it back but um so your site is on the beehive.com, so make sure right. if you're not watching on the video and see the scrolly deal on the bottom, um, go to beehive.com and, and look for the Silver Thinker. Um, you know, I can actually Google it and see if you pop up that way too. Yeah, there it is, Silver Thinker. It'll pop up right below all the ads. It'll be the top on your list. So that's, that's an easy awesome. way to find a mirror on that <clears throat> but uh no i guess we were talking about just how do we continue to get better right and and what what is it that we do for ourselves and one of the things that i needed to redefine for myself was fun like what is fun sure fun for me used to be just getting drunk and <laughs> staying out with friends and telling jokes which was fun sure Drinking is fun. Like, I mean, that's why most people do it. Yep. And uh, the problem is it just can get out of hand. And then you can't control it. And then that fun, now you're not having fun. You're just drinking. And people right. around you are having fun. But you're, like, struggling. Um, yep. So what was your experience, like, dealing yeah. with that? Part? Well, well, everything, yeah. I mean, I've had people try to tell me that it wasn't really fun. It just appeared that way, or you perceived it as fun. But it was fun, you know. I mean, I I got excited when it was time to have people around the bonfire to tell jokes, like you're saying, and, and hang out and go do something crazy, or you know, go to a club or whatever, or absolutely deer camp or whatever. It was that was fun, and you know, um, so for fun for me now, yeah, I I spent a lot of time not knowing what the hell I wanted to do for fun, like. What is fun? Like, I don't watch TV. I watch a sports game when it's on, and another guilty pleasure. I'll, I'll watch WWE with with Miley, <laughs> um, but um, that's it. Like I used to sit and watch, um, you know, shows on Netflix when I was drinking, just episode after episode after episode. You know, that's that's not me anymore. You know, uh, baseball was such a huge part of my life with the coaching and everything. Um, you know, I love the sport itself and I'll watch a game or two here, but it's not, I had to rediscover myself completely. Like yeah. I wasn't a person before alcohol that would ever have gotten in front of a camera and talked to a friend, let alone people that I've never met before. Um, but it turns out that's fun. This is yeah. like, like I woke up so tired today just because there's, you know, uh, some things going on in a life that's, you know, stressed me out a little bit, I get a little bit of sleep. But once we get talking, man, you know, I'm, I'm ready. I'm ready to, to take on the day right now. I'm, I'm pumped. So, yeah, I mean, you might have to rediscover yourself. And I think I tried to force some things for a while, like uh, certain video games or certain TV shows or, or things like this is who I was. This is who I used to be. Why is this not fun? Well, that's because yeah. you're older, you're sober. There's a bunch of th things that factor into it. Yeah, I agree. This is being on this podcast is more fun than I've had in a long time. The, um, I was on the Sober Dad podcast. Oh, uh, 
he's great. Um, and you know, we had, that was my first one. He broke my cherry and now I'm here with you. You got the experienced version. Um, and, and, uh, we just, just talking about it. It feels great sharing ideas. Hopefully people learn something new. Um, but, um, the, some of the things that I looked at for fun, I tried to force myself to play video games. I was never into video games. Sure. It's, I don't know why I just can't, I guess it stresses me out. Like when I reach a level, I can't beat a boss. I start getting a little anxious yeah, yeah, and that's yeah. a trigger for me. I can't yeah. beat, I can't deal with anxiety too much. I need to like walk it off or something or else it's going to make me want to smoke or drink. Sure. <clears throat> um, but I did come up with some things that I started to do. And one of the things that I did was um, one, this is my first time last year in April. I decided that I would go for a long walk. And I walked from my house in Queens all the way to Central Park in Manhattan and then walked back. That that was about a 24-mile walk. Nice. Uh, the idea came from reading a book. I think it was called Do Hard Things. And they suggested if you have issues with anxiety or stress or worry, Sometimes what you need to do is build the capacity to handle those things. And the way you build that capacity is by doing difficult things like mm. working out, lifting heavy weights is an example of that, or going and diving into a cold pool of water. All those things, they make you, they shock your system and they make you build that capacity. So what I decided to do was I decided to go for that long walk. And I got it. I loaded up a bunch of podcasts, some books, some music, got a book bag got some chapstick it was april so it was still cold and uh and i just went for this walk and it was just such a new experience for me yeah. and i saw so many new things i saw people i met people um walking from from queens to manhattan i must have seen talk about religion must have seen 20 different types of churches oh, mosques no. synagogues different types of like sects of Christianity, like you, you, you name it. There's like all these different things. It was just interesting to take pictures and walk. And then when I got to the city, I took a nap. Then I went to get a foot rub and then I walked all the way back. Nice. And then I felt such a sense of satisfaction and I was, I saw all these new things and the, the next day I was excited. I was like, kids, I found this park. I found this ferry. I found this store. We should go back and, my feet hurt so bad, but I still went out the next day and, and took them back to all those places that I saw. Awesome. And and that's not something I would consider as fun when I was drinking. Yeah. Wouldn't have done that. It's so important, man. And and the bucket list, Central Park is on my bucket list. I don't know why, but it, it's always in movies and talked about in movies. I want to see it. I want to go to New York. I want to see New York so bad. Um. But yeah, like um, I never read books before I got sober. Now I read all kinds of recovery books. Like mm -hmm. I'm not like an avid reader, but I've read way more books in these uh, since September 11th of 2022 than I read all combined before that. Um, yeah. it, and it's just, and it's something, and you feel a sense of completion, a sense of achievement, you know, putting that book down. I didn't get that. I didn't understand that before. But when you read a book, you know, I like to go through and I highlight and I got sticky notes on this thing. Yeah. 
and I look at that thing like you're an analytical type. Yeah, I'm like, man, I like this. This is this is good, you know. And and the, the video game thing has changed for me too. I used to like to play alone. Now I don't really like to do it unless my buddies are are willing to hop on, you know. So everything can change. You just got to be willing to explore and and sometimes just be willing not to force it. Yeah, that's true. And and sometimes uh, you don't need as a huge event to be to have fun. Sometimes it's something small, like yeah. playing a board game, or you know playing playing cards with somebody, or even just having a normal conversation with someone. Yeah. That's that's been interesting. I have a friend who I used to drink with a lot. And I still stay in touch with him. The last couple of times we hung out, I'd go to the bar, same bar that we would go to. I know you're not supposed to do that, but it, I I did it anyway. You know, I ordered myself a Heineken Zero Zero or a Seltzer or a Red Bull. Sometimes if I'm really feeling crazy, I'll get a Red Bull. <laughs> um, and... Uh, and we just have this really nice conversation. It was just nice talking to him. Problem is, as the time goes on, he gets drunker and drunker. Yeah. And I'm just watching and I'm realizing that, okay, it's time to go for me because yeah. this conversation is not going well anymore. And I feel bad because I really enjoyed my conversations with him, but um, he's not on the same path yet. So that's been interesting. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's a. A, that's a lot of strength being showed there to be able to say, all right, well, I got to go. Those are boundaries. You can talk about those all day long. You know, um, you know, it's your preference, you know, to go into a bar or not. I can go into a bar and not have a problem. You know what I mean? Like, cause I know I can't, even if I snuck one, it would only be one. So what's the point? You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. that wasn't my go-to, you know what I mean? So it, yeah. it just shows a lot of strength, man, for sure. Hmm. Thanks. I mean, I haven't been going back there because it hasn't been as fun anymore. Yeah, uh, I know the smaller towns around here, the bars smell funny, and it's, you know, that's, I don't know what I found fun in it, you know what I mean? Like, I don't, I, when, other than going in there now and having a good bar burger, you know, some greasy fries, yeah, I'm like, man, it's just, how did I spend so many, so many hours in this thing? So many Mm -hmm. thousands of dollars in there. (laughs) Yeah. How, How do you deal with your friends now that you're sober? I mean, do you have any friends that... Won't hang out with you. I mean, I'm sure everybody still wants to hang out with you or not, but like, uh, how, how's that been? Yeah, no, I, I'm lucky. Uh, nobody important has, has left my, or nobody that's important has left my life. Good. Um, my good friends, I was a problem <laughs> among my friends. I, they, they might get drunk a few times a year if, you know, if they do that. Um, you know, I was the problem drinker. And so I'm fortunate to have them still around. So, yeah, I, I dodged that bullet completely. And the people that aren't around anymore that were more of the heavy drinkers, it's like, it, I don't really miss that. I mean, yeah. I'd, I'd love to know how they're doing and chat sometime, but yeah, I, I'm really fortunate. And I know that's not the case for a lot of people, but I'm, that's another blessing for me. That's a huge blessing. Yeah. So you're, and I bet they they love you even more now that you're sober. Cause Dude, they like listen it. to my podcast and, yeah. you know, I'm, I'm, <laughs> you know, uh, they they they're like oh yeah i'm like yeah so i did this podcast You're like i know i listened to it I'm like some bitch thank you man yeah. that means a lot to me why didn't why didn't you leave me a comment then or send me <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah well, did you like and subscribe come on you gotta help the algorithm here that's right i get that with the newsletter too it's like oh so i just wrote about it yeah i read it it was good i'm like oh thank you 
great. <laughs> yeah, so make sure to to find uh, the Silver Thinker on Beehive, and and, and um, it, there's some good articles on there. I've only made it through I think three of them, but they're really good. So make sure to check that out. Um, it, it's worth the read. Uh, Amir's got some good stuff on there. Uh, what else you got going on, man? Anything else that you'd like to talk about? Um, Are you writing a book? Did you say? Well, what I'm going to do is I'm going to take all the letters. I'm going to write 52 letters, one for every week of the year. Okay. okay. And I'm going to put them all together into one book. And I'm going to call it something like Letters from the Sober Thinker and how to handle 52 life's triggers. Awesome. And that's what it's about. Because like, one of them is about money. One of them is about sacrifice. One of them is about... Um, you know, time and family. So there'll be, there'll be one for something for everyone. I think that's great. Those uh, daily reading type, like uh, daily reading for like a daily letter thing that those are huge for me. I got, it seems stacked up over there in the corner. I got a bunch of those. So that's awesome. Oh, yeah. I'm looking forward to that. Definitely. Man. Definitely. Yeah. I mean, it, journaling has been really helpful for me and sounds like you're into that too. Yeah. So I'm, I'm going to do like a little reflection and some journaling and put it out there. And then we'll see where that goes. We'll see where that takes us. Yeah. Yeah. And, and to touch on drilling one more time and get your take on that too. Um, I know that when I've suggested it, they're like, yeah, but what if somebody finds it, write it down and burn it. You know what I mean? You don't have to keep it. I went crazy. And my last, uh, I learned the elder Futhark rings from the North mythology or mm -hmm. runes, not rings, runes and mm -hmm. what letters they represent in, in English. And so I write in Futhark. So, there's not going to be many people that could decipher that quickly enough to read through my crap. So I let it all out and that is so therapeutic. So that's what I'm saying. Like, you know, do a video diary and, and delete it or something, you know, um, just yeah. getting it out on paper. You wouldn't believe uh, how much that helps. So, all right, let's talk about this. I'm at this weird place that I've written 10 letters and I find myself feeling like I've purged all this stuff from my head and I feel light and I feel yeah. amazing that all these complex ideas, I've been able to put them together and put them on into, into my website. And now it, it's almost like I'm running out of fuel. Hmm. I feel like I'm running out of fuel because I've put all these things together that I've been using as, as, as steps through my recovery. And I'm at this point where I'm facing this new possibilities of creating new things. And it's exciting. Um, but going back to what you're saying, when you put stuff on paper, it relieves you. Yeah. It, it makes you, it breaks you free. Like our, our thoughts hold us down unless we let them out. Absolutely. Absolutely. I'll tell you what. That made me think of something. Um, a year ago today, I was in I was in jail for an OWI that happened two and a half years ago. It took him two and a half years to come around to decide to punish me for it. Mm. And I was going through yes Friday, and some downtime at work. I was going through the notes that I wrote in there. I was listening to recovery podcasts while I was in there, and I was I was writing, 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 writing. And to be able to go back and revisit and see how things have changed and to see the knowledge that I had forgotten that I had back then, there was some knowledge in there that, you know, it slipped away from me. 
man, it's incredible. It's like you're it's like you're going back and you're and you're talking to yourself. It's like time travel. It really is. So just to do that alone, man, is very therapeutic. Yeah, uh, I agree. I, in my journal, I write, come back to this every time you feel a certain way. Come back to this. Come back to this. I never do, of course, until it's like years later because <laughs> you're always <laughs> writing new stuff. Um, but I don't think it actually ever leaves us. Right. I think I think when you write it down, you may forget about it. Um, usually we forget about it because it's already ingrained. Sure. And new thoughts probably uh, reinforce that. And then all these thoughts and all these pieces of wisdom that we collect along the way, they act as our anchors. Sort of when it comes to moral decisions and um, just habit, avoiding habit or creating a new habit. Um, I don't think that we ever forget those things. I think they stay inside. And when we see them again, they're like, oh, yeah, that's a good one. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good one. Right. Yeah. To, we'll go off in the weeds on this one. Um, but there, you said habits, creating new habits. J.J. Uh, uh, McCarthy, the quarterback for the University of Michigan, was, they were talking about how he will brush his teeth with the opposite hand from time to time. Just so he's not in that habit. You know, you're going to brush your teeth or you're, you're walking or driving somewhere and you get there and you're like, man, I don't remember doing that. So mix it up a little bit, like create new things, get new habits. So he's in there brushing his teeth with his left hand. I, I still got to try that. It just, I, I don't know how that would feel. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, new yeah. habits, man. That's everything. Have you created any new habits? Uh, well, nothing that's stuck. You know what I mean? I was making my bed every single morning, like tight, like military, you know, and then that went away. And then, um, now my thing is, you know, the laundry gets done and it goes immediately where it needs to be, not folded in a pile and sit there. I do my best to do that. Um, I do, I, I try to clean the, the space, you know, once a day. So yeah, I mean, those are things that I never used to do before. But for me, it's a struggle. It's a struggle to stay consistent. I'm a, I'm a work in progress, man. <laughs> yeah, no, I get it. Same thing. I, well, that's why I do the morning affirmations, that the direction. I usually throw it in there, whatever I want to build or whatever I want to focus on or remind myself on, I put that in there. So that's been my biggest habit is that morning affirmation. Um, and I remembered what I forgot earlier. Awesome. Maybe save it for the end. It's like perfect. Yeah. You talked about how we always want to see results now. Mm -hmm. I think that when I was down in, into my addictions, I was always in this mode of go, go, go. It's like this high speed, high, like quick, um, you know, just, just, uh, immediate satisfaction, immediate gratification, always about moving. I couldn't sit still. If I was drinking somewhere, I was at a bar, I was just walking around, I was always looking, I was trying to go somewhere. Let's go have another drink. Let's go here. Let's go do this. Let's go do that. Never having the patience. It was hard to meditate. It was hard to sit still. It was hard to sleep. And when I, on the other side of it, now that I'm sober, I feel much, much more calmness 
and stillness and just kind of everything like i'm not going anywhere i'm here right there's a book no matter where you go there you are it's it's that like you start to actually experience that better so i think the substances that drive us or that that pulled us uh, towards them they make they give you this feeling of that you always have to go somewhere whereas the reality is you just have to be comfortable with staying where you are and that meditation that that peaceful realization is something that first of all i feel i feel like it feels great it grounds you it makes you feel good but that is also the same part that you have to learn how to deal with because that's where boredom comes from too um, and that's been my biggest challenge, dealing with that, going from being this, like a mouse in a wheel, to now learning to just be where I am, yeah. and not worried, worrying about the past, future, or where I'm going next, just being being here in the moment. Yeah, I think that's a great point. The I talk about this often, <clears throat> the amount of time and effort that I had to put into planning how to get my next bottle, and then when I had my next bottle, how to get it home and in the house without being caught, then where to hide it in the house without it being found, then to remember where it was after I passed out and came to, you know, the next morning, and then how to get rid of the bottles and then start right back at the beginning and do it again. There was so much effort and energy put into that. There is, there is, and there was boredom. I think you brought up a good point. There was boredom because I didn't have this constant plan of deceit and deception and, and, and plotting. You know, it, that opened up a lot of time, man. It really did. It opened up a lot of freaking time. Yeah. And all the lies, like you said, the lies, all the, the coming up with the way, what am I going to do here? What am I going to say here? How am I going to sneak this in? It's like planning a bank heist every day. <laughs> it's too it is, I, you know, I'll share this and then we can, we, I, I'll let you go. We're coming up in an hour, but um, I've shared it before, but I, I think it, to show the, to go to any links they talk about in AA, go to any links to stay sober. Well, because we went to any links to drink. I was laying in bed hungover as hell and I knew Miley was mad at me one day. I knew she was mad and she was on to my schemes, even though she wanted to believe that I really wasn't drinking. There was something else going on. I laid there in that bed and I said to myself, I'm like, okay, this is what we're going to do. So I get up and I get out of bed and I start walking down the hallway out of the bedroom. She's in the living room. <clears throat> and I fall on the ground as hard as I can intentionally. And then I get, I'm just lay there and she comes running. What's going on? What happened? Are you okay? You know, cause she's both caring and pissed off at me at the same time. Right. So I was like, I tripped over a cat and I acted all out of it. And she's like, we don't have a cat. And so long story short, I created this entire like mental thing that was going on in my head and went and got a bunch of tests, dude. How insane is that? You know what I mean? Like, that is just absolutely insane to pay, you know, how much money for medical bills, you know, to go get tested for something that wasn't real just to protect the drink, dude. I, yeah. That's, yeah. that's what this thing can do to people. And it takes equal and opposite other things to get rid of it. Yeah. And I think that's an example of how far it can go. Yeah. And if you don't stop it, you're only fooling yourself because... I have a friend, 
who's got young kids and reminds me of when I was a kid because my mom is an alcoholic and she's always had this difficulty. Um, she had, she would binge drink. So she can, she kind of, she has, she's got her own thing, but th this friend's kid, son, he is onto her. When she doesn't drink, obviously it's great. But if she has one beer, she goes, he notices it in my eyes. Yeah. You can sense the tiniest little drop of alcohol in the person you love. Sure. So I guess the message that I would love to just let everyone know that I think everybody already does know, that you can't fool anyone. <laughs> you're only fooling yourself. Yeah. You think you're so smart? Oh, what's that smell? Oh, I just, you know, Listerine. That's not, that's not Listerine. There's no cat. There's no cat. <laughs> <laughs> There's no cat. <laughs> oh, yeah. shit. All right. Well, this was great, Amir, man. Thanks so much for coming on. We'll have to do it again soon. I um, Again, make sure to check out The Sober Thinker. If you just Google it, he pops right up. He's on Beehive. Um, some great articles on there to read. Um, I can verify that for sure for three, but there's a lot more on there, and I'm sure they're all great, too. Um, thanks again, they man. Come out, they come out every Monday morning at 730. If you subscribe okay. with your email address, they'll come to your inbox. You can reply to me. I'll stay in touch. I reply back. Um, yeah, it's just a just a community to keep this conversation going, and I appreciate you, sober heathen. Yeah, all right, sober thinker, man, and and yeah, he is active in the comments. I was I was reading some of those too. Those are good too. That's always good to get involved in that. So uh, yeah. make sure to check it out. And thanks again, man. Hopefully we can do this again soon. Absolutely, I'm looking forward to it. Have, all right, man. Have a beautiful day. You too. Bye bye. Bye bye.